0: hello everybody welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we start a brand new series today called what we gonna do what we gonna do and uh, heavily inspired by a scene out of the Jungle Book with a bunch of vultures sitting around talking about I don't know what you are gonna do so uh, (laughs) we just finished this uh... this series long series on the words of Jesus and and my thought was where do you take that and and, um, and my whole point is that we have to remember as a church um, that, you know, it's, we're, we're called to something. We have a purpose. We have a mission. And, and uh, we always want to be thinking about that and what that looks like and how that impacts us and the things that we do. Uh, and, so I, and, and ultimately to be aware of who we represent and the message that we've been given to share with others. So I thought we'd take some time in this series, uh, what we're going to do, uh, and talk about exactly what we're going to do. Um, and one of those things in particular is, you know, uh, living, trying to do the next right thing to impact the world that way, and then um, um, presenting the message that we've been given as believers to the world around us, the, this radical message of good news that we have in Christ, and, and, and doing that with some wisdom, uh, certainly doing that with a lot of prayer, um, looking for opportunities to to reach out to people in all sorts of ways and, and, um, and ultimately to um, sort of win the right, if you would, to share with them this amazing deal that we have in Christ. That we, we, we're sitting on the best deal in the universe. There's, there's nothing like it. There's no better news anywhere. We have the good news. We have the, the best deal happening in Jesus. We have it all. Um, but we haven't always um, presented this, this timeless message very well. And so I want to look at that and talk about that and what that looks like in a very practical way together. And so we'll be doing that uh, together. Um, that's the intro transition. Bad joke. Uh, at VBS we were teaching the kids about the Bible, in particular, we, one of the songs we taught them about the Ten Commandments. So we asked one of the kids to list the Ten Commandments in any order. And this is their answer. Six three five four eight seven ten one nine and two. <laughs> You'll remember that. All right, all right. So, and then I was. I had to tie in VBS and Father's Day. A little Father's Day joke. The little boy says to his dad, "Hey, Dad, are are bugs good to eat?" Let's not talk about such things at the dinner table, son," his father replied. And after dinner, the father inquired, "Okay, now, son, what did you want to ask me?" Yeah, nothing, said the boy. There was a bug in your suit, but now it's gone. (laughs) That's all I got. Scripture reading. 1 Peter 2. First 12 verses. Um, And actually, we looked at a few of these verses that we finished the last series, which is kind of what got my mind in this series. So here we go. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, I wanted to talk about, as we jump into this series, something that we talk about here all the time. um, You'll know it right away. Point number one in your notes. You can probably even answer it without me giving you the answer. Living by trying to do the next right thing. This comes up a lot, and uh, you may think I don't have anything else to talk about, but I do. Uh, But the reality is, to me, this is one of those foundational points that you just keep going over and over and over and over and over. That that um, so much is, is there in just that simple sort of statement. What are we trying to do? We're just trying to do the next right thing and all that that entails. You know, we're, we're trying to learn to listen. Uh, to God. We're, we're trying to make sure that we're praying about the things that we do. We're asking God for advice. We're, we're learning. We're, we're growing. We're changing. We're yielding to the Spirit. Um, we're seeing the process that I say defines that term of sanctification, which we've gone over and over again, happening in our lives over the course of time. That, that there's work that needs to be done in each one of us. None of us has arrived yet. And that, that we continue to do that on a daily basis. You know, what do you want to do today? I want to do the next right thing, Lord. I want to, I want to live for you. I want to do the next right thing. And, and you know, some days we do better than others. Uh, some days we fall short. We get, you know, all of us deal with our stuff. And, and it's all part of the process. But we need to be um, in this world living this way. 1 Peter 2.12, uh, in the message paraphrase, says, Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices then they'll be one over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. I like the paraphrased version of that um, when it gets rid of that term pagan um, which is hard for us to understand uh, and I always uh, you know if you've been around here before when, whenever we come across I always try and say when you see that word pagan put in the word pre-christian it'll just make you treat people better um, uh, and so you know that's what we're at we've got believers and we got people that aren't believers yet pre-believers. we get Christians and pre-Christians and it just will really help you deal with people in that light. Um, because before we came to know Christ, we were in that state ourselves. And so the, the idea in the writing is that we're to live a life among people who don't yet know Jesus that um, ultimately helps them um, re- refute their prejudice. It says uh, people who don't yet know Jesus have a definite way of thinking about the church and it's it's often not very good um, and so part of what we have to do is try and live in such a way that it at least has them start to question that so you know is and uh, I think you know we get that that's why we do you know, that's why we do VBS that's what the ice cream truck was out today giving away free ice cream we have a, in case you didn't know we have an ice cream truck so it's all painted it up it has the sound we go around the neighborhoods give out free ice cream why just to get people to stop and think a little bit maybe think a little differently about the church um, uh, so that when, when the opportunity arises, we can tell them why we're different. Um, and, and there's a fairly popular statement around. I'm sure most of you have heard it uh, or read it. Um, um, and and I, I may have even said it at some point in time. This has commonly been attributed to Francis of Assisi. Um, he said, that, uh, uh, you know, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. So it's a it's kind of a common statement that's out there. And I think the idea behind it is basically good, which is why it's got so much traction. And um, in, in effect, what it says is that you know, the, the way we are our, our living our lives helps, people, you know, helps point people to Jesus. A couple of small problems with the saying, um, really can't prove that Francis of Assisi ever said that. Um, it's very hard because he, he was a member of an order that, of, of monks that was known for their preaching. And so it would be not something that he probably would have said, and and then beyond it, there's there's um an understanding that that um, biblically it's not quite enough um, because the reality is. Um, that it's the verbal communication of the gospel that brings people into relationship with God, as far as we understand. That's what happens, is that that the the good news is communicated to people in a way that they understand it and make the decision to begin their life with... um, the Lord uh, in this walk. So, um, but living rightly gives us the credibility to do that. So it's very, very important. It needs to continue to be important. If you try and do one without the other, you're missing it. It's a combination of the two. So it's a it's a matter of how we live this thing out, the best of our ability, and not pre- you know, again. If we pretend to be perfect, that's people smell that a mile away, and they know we're not like we're not going to make that happen either. Um, or if we just try and use words without living the way Jesus did, they have no impact either because people just feel judged and it, it just falls on ears that don't want to hear it. So um, it's a combination uh, of these things. So, so we have to live by doing the next right thing, which is you know our process anyway of sanctification and then hopefully makes a difference in the world around us. Um, but, but words are necessary. Paul makes his point in Romans ten thirteen, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved... How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So the Apostle Paul says this is the process that um, they they have to call on the name of Jesus. They can't until they know who he is. They can't do it. They can't believe in him until they've, they've heard that this message is out there. And they can't hear the message without someone sharing it with them. So that's the dynamic that we're involved in. So, the second thing um, that I want to talk about is that um, we touched on this a little bit last week, but we're chosen by God, and we talked about what that means, but we're chosen to tell. Um, We're chosen to tell. Uh, In the New Century Version, it says, you're a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You were chosen to tell. You were, you were called to proclaim. You, you, were, you were given this as part of the process, that uh, we have to be tellers. And, and what we're telling people of is the wonderful acts of God, the gospel, the good news, the amazing things that God has done. The heart of the good news. Because sometimes I, I, you know, and this is one of the, the, these next few verses are verses that you should know, that you should be able to find in your Bible almost immediately when someone begins to ask these questions. You know, what is it? What is the message? What is the good news? That, that there's the, in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, Paul records these things for us. And he says, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the heart right there of the gospel message. And then the other, he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Paul in that one spot gives us a, this whole thing. This is, the, this is the message that people need to hear. This is what took place and you need to know that a lot of people saw that this happened. And he was writing at a time when most of those eyewitnesses were still alive. And so he's making a point. Look, it's not, don't just take my word for it. You can go and ask. There's a lot of people around that saw the, the crucifixion, the, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But that is the heart of it all. That had to happen in order for us to be redeemed. See, from the very beginning, and we talked about this in our last series, remember I said back in Genesis and 3.15, that then throughout the Bible, this thread of redemption is running all the way through to the cross, and, and there the cross, and, and the resurrection is the, the spot where we're redeemed. And that's the heart of the message. We were separated from God, but, but God is reconciling us to him in Christ, and that our part is to you know, understand that, accept it, receive it, and then begin to walk in that and apply that to our lives in faith. But that's the heart of the gospel message. And it's a message we have to know, that we have to understand That's simple enough, and then we have to be able to tell it to others. That, you know, that's the heart of it, right? We are all sinners. That's everybody. It's, some people will struggle with that, but it's, that's a pretty easy one to break past. And, uh, you know, if they have kids, you can get... Pie, you know, when did you start teaching your kids to tell you No. You didn't. They just knew how to do that. We're, we're all sinners. We, it happens young and it happens to all of us that sin separates us from God because all sin does that. Big sin, little sin, however you want to define sin. It all separates us from God. We can't fix it. We're never going to be... Once you're not perfect, you can't get back to perfect in your own strength. And so God made a way. and That's what happens at the cross. He He went and dealt for it. you know He paid for our pride. He did it. He lived the perfect sinless life. And then He exchanged that life for ours at the cross, defeated death, rose again, so that we can have life forever. All that happens right there in those verses. And so we need to be aware of those verses, because that's ultimately what we're going to share. Now, um, we've got to come up with ways to share that to the culture, but the message has never changed, and never will change, and, and we won't let it change. That's the heart of the gospel message. Now, in order to share it, there's some things that we can do, and so point three is preparing to proclaim. And so Peter says this uh, in verse 1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So as tellers of this incredible message, there's some things that need to happen in us. And uh, I'm sure you all have already passed that, you know, there's no deceit in you anymore. There's no hypocrisy at all. There's no envy. There's no slander of any kind that we have to deal with. We've all sort of already got past all that. Yeah, no. Um... There's work to be done, but as we start thinking about, you know, that we're tellers now, and what we say, so this really makes a big difference in life. What we say matters. Words are extremely powerful. Words are so powerful. So our words can build people up, and our words can tear people down. And, and the power of words is, is amazing. Um, many people uh, were impacted by words that were spoken to them when they were very young and they're still impacting them today and they weren't good words for, for a lot of people. If, and the same way, pa- powerful words spoken into a, a person by someone in, in a position to do that can also make a huge difference in people's lives. And so words are extremely, extremely powerful. And yet because we live in a broken world, uh, and, you know, not putting blame on people, but, but people who should have been speaking words into us of life and encouragement and hope and telling us that we were going to be good and that we could make it, weren't. And in, in fact, we're doing the opposite and, and it had, you know, to, to, tremendous impact in negative ways. So with the reality of that, and, and you know, hopefully um, the way God uses things in our life, because God's so good, so, so you can now remember perhaps a situation where someone spoke something into you that's had a, had a bad impact on your life. And you can see how powerful that is. And then you can realize, okay, I have the the opportunity now to make a difference by doing the opposite and not speaking those words into people. And so we want to use our words wisely all the time so that when the opportunity to share the good news arises, people can receive those words. That's the whole thing. Your, your, entire, your entire life really um, it, it, as mission-minded folks is, is sharing that message and everything you do up until that point in time it impacts that moment. So people get fixed on that moment. Well, I just got to share with them the gospel. Well, you got to live it out in front of them and you got to do a whole lot of other stuff so that they can receive those words from you when you get the opportunity to speak to them. So we're, we need to be sewing into this all the time by using our words wisely and always using our words for good. That's the whole thing. And so because of that, fourth thing, is sometimes you need to bite your tongue. Sometimes you just need to not say what you're about to say and, until you get a little chance to think about it. Ephesians four twenty nine through 32, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That's an, isn't that a powerful verse or what? Just don't let anything come out of your talk that doesn't do that, that doesn't build people up and benefit people that listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of, of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slinger, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, that should be under, underneath everything that we say and, and, and the, how we say it, and the way that we say it. And so before you speak, ask yourself these questions. These three questions I think are extremely helpful um, in, in just helping you bite your tongue. Um, always start with this one. Is what I'm about to say true? You can ask yourself these pretty quick. Is it true? If it's not true, don't say it. This, this, will, this will just uh, immediately get rid of gossip and slander... Um, because if it's not true and you don't know it's true, don't say it. And, and really think about, you know, those things. And, and the way that we, oh, you know, we, we, a juicy piece of gossip really messes people up and, and believers too. And, you know, there's, there's way more dealing with gossip in the Bible than anything else. God's not a fan of it because it ruins people. And yet we just sometimes can't help ourselves and, and we have to. So if you're not sure, if you're not 100% sure that it's true, don't say it don't pass it along in an email don't forward the story don't do it unless you're absolutely 100% sure that it's true let it stop with you just let it stop right there and and just don't say it it's, it's so important because again see you have this message you have to communicate as believers of the truth and if people don't think you have integrity they won't when you go to give them the absolute truth on that B is it helpful so true is, can be true. It's true as long as it's true. That's good. But then, is it helpful? Sometimes, you know, because something's true doesn't mean it's helpful in that situation. And maybe you have to reserve that for another time. Um, will it build up the person you're talking to? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said? I know I've said this to you before, but but um, if you, you if this this phrase is in your in your vocabulary, get rid of it. I don't mean to be rude, but. It's one of those things. Don't just don't say it, because you do mean to be rude, and you are not excused. You've also heard me say this. If someone says that to you, I don't mean to be rude, but go like this. And if they don't get the idea, keep doing it until they get the, They'll walk off because they think you're nuts eventually. But just don't just don't say it. It's rude. So if you're going to be rude, I guess it's better to go off and be rude than it is to say a, I don't mean to be rude when you really do mean to be rude. And then maybe you'll run through the questions and go, I just don't need to say it. You don't need to say it. A lot of times we just don't need to say stuff. I, you know, I realize that. So, like the bank that I deal with doesn't have enough parking. <laughs> it just doesn't have enough parking spot. And what's really weird is I'll go there and I got a big truck. There's nowhere to park the truck. And, and so I'll end up parking in the back corner somewhere, and, have to, and it's not a big walk, but it's hot. You know what I mean. And, uh, and then I'll walk in there, and there won't be anybody in there. <laughs> and I, I really want to complain <laughs> to somebody, and yet I think to myself, it's none of these people's fault. <laughs> you know, and, and who would it benefit if it's just me wanting to unload a little bit? And that happens all the time, but we do that all the time. Is it? Is it? Does it need to be said at all? A lot of it, just, I just, ah, whatever. You know, most of it's me anyway. Is it loving? That's the last thing. Is it loving? If not, don't say it. If you're frustrated, don't say it. If you're you're looking for vengeance, don't say it. If you're angry, don't say it. Um, if, If any of those are your motivations, don't say them. Your word should bring life to people. Listen, our word should encourage. Our word should inspire our words should be a calming influence in the world around us uh, You know, our words should sometimes challenge people but only in love and, and uh, we always want to temper our words with kindness and compassion with grace and mercy and so we need to make these things our habit as we talk about being tellers um, we we got to start on a daily basis getting our our words in line and, and being a light we, you know we're called to be a light in the world think about that too even with so we have these formats now where we can say something um, on social media and stuff that just goes whoop out beyond our control sometimes and if it's not uplifting and right just don't do it. Because they, they, they they, Someone sees it and then that's how they define you. And you just, It probably isn't the way you want to be defined. So always think about that. I'm called to be a light in the world. Is this bringing light? Will this at some point give me an opportunity to tell somebody the good news I have? Because everything else really doesn't matter that much. That's, that's what I want to be able to share with people. That's my, you know, that's our call. That's our ultimate goal. So, that's the uh, beginning of this series. We'll talk more about this in the weeks ahead. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. If you're watching my video, thank you very much. Appreciate you doing that. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.